0: You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hello, and welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Back in the closet today on a sunny day in Portland. We actually have those. It's a little bittersweet for me today, I have to say, this is gonna be our final episode of season two. So we're kind of wrapping up for just a couple months and I'm gonna take the next few months to study and write and plan and get my oldest son graduated from high school. If I sound like I'm an emotional rock, well, then I pretty much have you all fooled. No, it's it's actually been a great season of life for sure. Thankfully, I've had many moms go before me that have given me some great advice. I have one dear friend that she was careful to remind me to not waste this time with sadness over the time that's gone, but choosing the joy for what the Lord has done. And I truly am so thankful for that. But maybe that message of joy a little bit was it brewing in my in the back of my mind a little bit as I was praying about where we would go to wrap up this season of the Devoted Podcast and, you know, send us off into the next couple months, because that's where I am headed today is joy. You know, it's just these three little letters, right? It should be easy. Joy. But sometimes it feels really hard. As I think about joy, you want to think about what what is joy? Is it the same as happiness? Can we choose it? Or is there some kind of trick to this joy thing? And sometimes it does feel like there is a trick. I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this that it was probably about 10 years ago or so I was in one of those modes where, you know, you choose a word for the year. Now, I'm not talking about the weird choose a word and it's like chanting some mantra thing. I actually did not know at the time when I was picking a word. I didn't know that that was a thing. There is sort of like this weird new age thing where people will choose a word. And I don't know, they, I don't know, but it's weird to me, but I'm meaning like choose a word. When I would do that, I was really prayerful about it and I wanted to just kind of approach it with asking the Lord to show me something, you know, show me something about himself or his word, or maybe something that I needed to grow in. And usually, because I've done this a couple of times, but usually this manifests itself in sort of a, a word study throughout scripture on that word. So that particular year, it was joy. And I think during that time when I was studying joy, it sort of just hit me as a conviction in my own heart for where my focus tended to be. I think uh, if I remember right, my kids were pretty young back then. I wish I could remember exact year. Probably I could go back and find journals or something and figure out what year this was. But my kids were younger. And you know, when your kids are really little, you sort of get lost in the mundane and sort of the busy and the lack of sleep. All of those things sort of collide into a really awful milkshake. But I had this little Mary Englebright calendar. Do you remember Mary Englebright? Probably if you're not over 40, you're like, I have no idea. And that does not sound cool. Well, it's probably not. I don't No, But they were like these cutesy little daily calendars and, you know, they were really brightly colored and and they would have little sayings on them. And they were cute. But this one really stuck with me and I kept it and I framed it. And it was a quote from Abraham Lincoln that said, most folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. I think that's pretty true. I wouldn't say that I was, you know, a total Eeyore, you know, from Winnie the Pooh back then. I wouldn't say I was being a total Eeyore, but I wouldn't have called myself a Tigger either. I probably quite honestly wouldn't call myself a tigger today. But my husband, he's kind of the easier optimist of the two of us. And I always said that I was not a pessimist and I was just a realist. But I suppose that's a pessimist excuse of why they're looking at something half full, probably. I don't know. But most folks are about as happy as they make up their minds to be. That's what Abraham Lincoln said. And I think Lincoln was on to something. But let's look at it from a standpoint of it's not so much the happiness, but what what is joy? Because I think we kind of confuse happiness with joy. In the Bible, you know, you see the word blessed for happy or you see delight. But if I could boil the two down, I think I would probably articulated that happiness is more of an emotion or a feeling. And joy is more closely tied to being an attitude or kind of a state of being. And joy, in particular, in the New Testament actually involves a choice to be so. And I think I can back that up scripturally. Paul instructs the Philippians, you know, he says to rejoice. I mean, it's not a suggestion. He's saying rejoice. He says that in Philippians 3, 1, and then in Philippians 4, 4 and 5, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it. He says, again, I will say rejoice. I like how that verse continues on. It says, let your reasonableness, which is just a way of saying gentleness and consideration, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. I think that last phrase hints at maybe a little bit of a secret to our joy. It said the Lord is at hand, his nearness, his presence, like the very presence of the Lord is joy. When you read in Matthew and it talks about some of the parables of the servants and one of them, the one in Matthew 25 that I'm thinking of, it's it's where it says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. It's that presence of the Lord, enter into the joy of your master. That's, that's the goal. That's the aim. Psalm 1611 also says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore again this link to the joy that we can have in the Lord being fulfilled by being in the presence at his nearness at coming into with the joy of your master also in John 3:29. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Okay, here's the the picture of the bride, the church, and the bridegroom being Jesus. And it says the thing that makes our joy complete is hearing the bridegroom's voice. There's several pictures in these three passages, Matthew 25, Psalm 16, 11, and here again in John three twenty-nine. that is just pointing out that there is a presence of the Lord that completes joy. Probably my favorite author, I wanted to say ever, but I don't know. I have a lot of favorite authors. But one of my favorites is C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis has some great stuff to say on joy. One of the things he says, and I'm going to quote him a lot today, guys, because there's just some good stuff. But one of the things C.S. Lewis says is he, he says, if you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. Kind of a practical quote, but at the same time, reminding us again, if we want to get joy, power, peace, eternal life, all of those great things, he says to not just get close to them, but even get into them. There we find the presence of the Lord. Now, what is one way that we get into the things of the Lord? And I think that is so pictured perfectly by being in his word and spending time in his word. Psalm 119, 111, it says, your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. It's this choosing. But you notice how all of these are, they're sort of deliberate actions. None of these are necessarily associated with a feeling, but the word is most certainly a way that we can. Be in the presence of the Lord that we can be growing in that area and having our joy complete by hearing his voice in that way. Deuteronomy 39, it says, For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you, and he took delight in your fathers when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I love, I wanted to bring that one up because there is a thing that we can just be in the word and we can be reading these things and. And want to be near the Lord, but then we can neglect the peace that also is requiring some obedience. Because Deuteronomy is careful to remind us there that we need to also keep his commandments and statutes that are written in his book, book of the law. That is, him. The Lord takes delight in us when we do that. But that's a piece of that. Being in the word, in the presence of the Lord, And that obedience, I think it all ties together. In the Old Testament, joy, it's often linked to victory over enemies. You know, in first Samuel, that's the story where you you see that David defeated the Philistines and he comes in and he is filled with joy. Or in Psalms, there's all kinds of references to joy in Psalms. One of them in Psalm 20, verse five, may we shout for joy over your salvation. And in the name of our God, set up our banners. In the New Testament, joy focuses more on the victory as it pertains to salvation and like, and and not so much a physical enemy like the Old Testament does. So for a, for example, in New Testament, Luke 15, 7, it will say, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who have no repentance. Victory over the enemy in the New Testament is more over sin and death instead of an actual physical enemy right but the joy is within our salvation and we see that all the time we even but I like even how the Old Testament hints at that didn't it when Psalm when it said may we shout for joy over your salvation it's sort of that picture of what's coming in the New Testament how we would have victory over sin and death joy is also one of the fruits of the spirit though right Joy is one of those where it's expected that we as Christians will have that as part of a natural result of receiving salvation. One of the commentaries that I read said that joy comes on account of what Christ has done, irrelevant of what other circumstances are happening in one's life. And that's where it gets tricky. We'll, We'll come back to that in a second. But regardless of the circumstances going on, joy as a fruit of the spirit is comes as account of what Christ has done. I love that. So let's look at that passage that's referring to joy as being a fruit of the spirit. And I'm going to actually read this whole section. I know it feels kind of long, but hopefully you guys can kind of take this in because I think this is an important part, but Galatians. 5, 16 through 25. So see, I told you it was kind of long, but in verse 16, it says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Okay, now pause there, because one of the reasons I wanted to point this out is because as we're going to read later, it's going to say, here are the fruits of the Spirit and it lists joy in there. But before you even get to that part, it's going to it's talking about these desires of the flesh and the things that are actually in opposition to the Spirit that are going to keep you from experiencing the things that are the fruits of the Spirit. Then verse 18, it says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then it kind of goes through some of these works of the flesh. I'll read this really, you know, ominous list here. Verse 19, it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. I love that. It's obvious. That's what it's saying. There's no secret here. The works of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Whew. Okay. It's quite a list, right? And then he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay. Okay. So, we probably should take a sec and just think about that list because sometimes we probably read that list in our Bible and we see those first couple we think sexual morality and purity and sensuality, all these are like sorcery, okay, I'm not doing any witchcraft. And we can quickly kind of go down this list and going, well, I'm not doing any of these things. I'm not gonna drill down on these too much, but I'm gonna actually spend quite a bit of time on these when we get into we're doing our Galatian study right now, and we're gonna focus on that section right there because it's actually a little more convicting than I think we might give it credit for at first glance. Also want to point out that when it's talking about, as I warned you before, for those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, the verb tense that it's using, there are people that continually practice these things. So it's not saying if you do any of those sins, if you've done them one time, repented of that sin, which means not only ask for forgiveness, but literally turn away from that sin and walk in an opposite direction. It's not saying that that is what you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's for those that do not repent, those that do not turn from these sins, they're going to do just what it said in the first part of that section in verse 16 and 17, where it's talking about these works of the flesh are being in opposition to the spirit. So now we'll finish this passage and we'll kind of, hopefully this will bring this back to why we care about that. Well, clearly we don't want to live in that life where it is to not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty sure there isn't any other thing that could be worse than saying that, right? Verse 22 picks up and it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let's, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So there's a tension in that passage. There's a tension between here are the things of the flesh that are actually going to keep you from walking in the Spirit. But then it's very clear about what those things of the Spirit are. It's pretty much the most contrasting statement you can have between the works of the flesh and all of these things that are clearly dark, and the consequences of continually practicing them is you will not inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, that's a that's a scary line right there in Scripture. But then the the opposite, you know, the contrasting light of this passage of what the fruit of the Spirit is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, man, that's what we want. And so it's, it's kind of this beautiful light and dark image that we have here in Galatians. But one of those pieces there is that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. So I think it's important to think about how the spirit is involved in that, how how we can realize that we need to walk in the spirit. We can also ask for our joy to be restored. I think that's really cool, too. And again, but inviting it in with the spirit and not just of our own selves. But in Psalm 51, 12, he, the psalmist says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Notice the joy of your salvation. It's the salvation that's the joy. Our joy is going to ultimately always come from God. Apart from him, we just can't have any expectation of joy. And I think this is where sometimes this gets tweaked, right? Because we look for joy in things that are not necessarily of God. And I'm not going to be dogmatic about this. I don't think I'm smart enough to do that. But it feels like as joy is a fruit of the Spirit, apart from God, can we really experience joy? And I don't know that we can. Not this, not real joy. And I'm not meaning the the emotion, the happiness. So let me explain that a little bit more, because in many ways, I feel like it sort of belittles what joy really is to confine it to a feeling like happiness. I understand that these two terms can and will sometimes commingle, right? Because even in Scripture, when it talks about that God delights in this, there is feeling of happiness there. There is that emotion there. So you can feel happy at the joy we are experiencing But sometimes I think I experience joy more often when it's apart from an emotion or a feeling. So I hope this will make some sort of sense at all. I feel like C.S. Lewis really nails this piece of joy that is almost like this otherness or this thing that we just have a really hard time trying to articulate. What is it? What really is joy? Okay, if you're telling me that it's not just a happiness and like a feeling, well, then what really is it? And Here's what he says that joy is. He says, all joy reminds, period. Okay, just think about that. All joy reminds. I love that right there. It is never a possession, he says, always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. I like this because it all joy reminds, you know, can you feel that? It, 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 and I I just use the word feel, but there's almost like there's something that you can't even quite put your finger on that you can go, yeah, joy reminds. He often, C.S. Lewis will often refer to experiencing joy as stabs, which I know that seems like a really ironic term to refer to something like joy, but I think it is so fitting. He often will say that as we see different things, as we experience different things and different relationships, that they're they're just like these stabs or these pangs of joy. And and, and and as we're thinking of things that are yet to be, all joy reminds. It's not a possession. It's not something that we can just grab. And it's like, yep, I got joy. Now I'm good. That's not really how it works. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, I think totally is where I would think that C.S. Lewis was probably reading Corinthians when he posed that quote, because Paul says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully." even as I have been fully known. It's as if here on earth, we just have these glimpses, you know, these pangs or these stabs of joy, which serve as a reminder of what's to come. It's what Paul is saying there, that right now, the things that we look at, it's like looking in a mirror that's kind of dirty. Or maybe think of it like looking at something through stained glass, that you're seeing it through the red, or you're seeing it through a blue or a brown, but you're not really seeing what the true representation is on the other side of the glass. I think of this with creation. I mean, think of the most amazing sunset that you can imagine. Just this week, we were uh, at the church office, and one of the guys said, oh, come on, you got to check out the sunset. And so, you know, and I were upstairs and we, we stopped what we were doing. And you just go and you stand and you see all the amazing colors come together. I mean, the best painter in the world couldn't orchestrate and couldn't perfectly depict those sunsets. And and you've seen those. You know what I mean. There are things that we can witness in creation that are just amazing. And yet those things, even as glorious as they are, we could also put in that category of looking through a glass or a mirror dimly. We're only seeing a piece of it. For now, we see dimly through that mirror and we know in part, then we shall know fully. So what is it saying that then we will know? Where is this? Well, that's the thing where I think we need to keep in mind the heavenly perspective, whether we're talking Talking about creation and the most amazing sunset you've seen, whether you're thinking of your absolute best earthly relationship that you have right now and all of the amazing experiences that you guys have together in that relationship, it pales into what we will experience when we will be fully known in heaven. Not that I didn't experience joy before, but in many ways, I don't think I understood joy as I feel like I do now. And I feel like i The Lord has so much more to teach me, but I feel like I understand joy better now than I did when my dad was still here. After my dad died, I think that's when I saw and understood joy in a more real way, not a feelings way, but a real way. There's something about experiencing really deep loss, really deep loss, and it makes you just come face to face with sort of not only the temporal nature of this life, you know? It's fleeting. It's coming and going. But you also just, you really stare at the bold hope of eternity, like right in its face. I know that I know that I know without a doubt that I will see my dad again. My memories of him and the great heritage of faith he left to me are sort of these stabs of joy. Every time I have a prayer journal of his, it's sort of a prayer journal and it's sort of just this massive list of scriptures that he would kind of put together by different things that he would be praying about. And one of them, actually speaking of the Lord's presence, is would-be presence. And he would just, as he was studying scripture, anytime a, a scripture would pop up that talked about the presence of God, he would write that scripture out. And then later, you know, in his other journals, he would refer back to those and he would pray those scriptures for people, for in his own walk. It was really powerful. So I feel like I have all of these, you know, literally memories and things that I can hold in my hand that feel sort of like these stabs, these little bit of pangs of joy. And I get how conflicted that phrase even sounds. How can joy be a stab and a pang? But if you've experienced really deep loss or you've gone through something, I think you know what I mean, because I know that I get to see my dad again. I have this great hope. And at the same time, I also look back on the, those things with, what well, I'm so grateful. And I have so much joy even thinking of those. But we have to be real here. We're not going to confuse that with that I feel happy about that. When I think of those memories, I don't have that happiness. I mean, like I said, sort of, but really with kind of a big chunk of missing and the longing, and, you know, all the things that goes with that. But I think that is actually joy. Remember how C.S. Lewis quoted it and he said, desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. I think that's joy. I think Jesus understood this. So Jesus in Hebrews 12, too, Paul says that looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. OK, so Jesus did those things for the joy set before him. He knew so perfectly what was waiting for him on the other side of the cross. He knew so perfectly what was going to be when it says when he'd be seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What must have that been like going through his mind as he knowing very much as being fully God, but yet fully man, everything that was before him? How overwhelming that must have felt, but knowing what was waiting for him at the right hand of the throne of God. He says that was for the joy set before him. C.S. Lewis also says that joy is the serious business of heaven. I think that's right. I think that's so right. Joy is the serious business of heaven. I think of that even as I read that passage in Hebrews 12 too. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Joy is the serious business of heaven. But we're told to have this mindset as well, right? James 1, 2 says, Count it all joy. When you meet trials of various kinds, we all kind of get stumped on this verse when we're going through trials and difficulties. James, in his book, he is all about imperative statements. There's no real suggestions in James. He's not suggesting that you should try out joy, see how that works for you. He's saying emphatically, you just need to do it. Count it all joy. And we would all be fine with that, except he finishes that phrase with when you meet trials of various kinds. And he also doesn't say if you notice that if you've you know been alive for five minutes, you know that there is no if you experience trials, you will experience trials when you meet trials of various kinds, count it all joy. He says to just do it and you will stay confused on this one if you're thinking that joy is always the same as the emotion or a feeling of being happy. But the biblical understanding of this, I think, is far beyond emotion. Listen while I read to you the Beatitudes from Matthew 5 because there's some interesting things here as we think about it's going to use the word blessed which is a word for happy or you know we see that in delight and different things in scripture but that's where it's going here in the beatitudes starting in verse 3 of Matthew 5 it says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And then I love verse 12, all of those things. There's some things that are tough. And he says, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is a great list. And I I think I looked at this with a little bit different eyes as I was studying this, because do you notice that arguably six of those blessed statements, you can see how the blessed isn't being met with something that is earthly. It's not going to be met with a temporal feeling even, you know, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What's the reward? It says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It says, you know, kingdom of heaven, it says they shall seek God, called sons of God. He says, again, the persecuted, he says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then, of course, in verse 12, it said, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Joy is a serious business of heaven. But you notice how we keep talking about heaven. We keep talking about what is to come. We're not talking about the things that are here on earth. I wonder if we sort of spin our wheels and maybe do ourselves a disservice by thinking that our joy is something we will experience on this earth. Certainly not in its fullest extent, right? You know, we can go back to thinking that there might be those stabs or those pangs of joy, but truly experiencing that type of joy here on earth, it's the serious business of heaven. But we can kind of tell ourselves that, man, if we don't have these feelings of happiness, then we can't have joy. There is no feeling of happiness in losing someone you love. There's not. There's no feeling of happiness if you are going through cancer or maybe if you're walking that road with a friend. I've done that. There is no good feeling. There's no happiness. That's not a good time. But I guess I would ask, is there joy in it? And that's why I think there is. And it, it is sweet and welcome news, I guess, for our journey here on Earth that it is just but a moment here, really. This Earth is so quick. Moms, you get this. If you're like me, we just talked about this beginning of the episode, you know, if you've got a kiddo that's graduating from high school or maybe you have a daughter that's getting married this summer. I mean, seriously, you feel like it was about five seconds ago that they were four and, you know, checking their sippy cup across the kitchen or something. I mean, it just it went so fast, right? I hope we don't get so lost in the day to day and the routine of our various seasons of life, whether it's young kids or, you know, that grade school age or maybe the high school age where you feel like you're constantly running somewhere all the time. But I hope we don't get so caught up in that, that we neglect the joy that's before us. It's not something that's associated with a feeling necessarily. It might sometimes coincide with a feeling, but the feeling is not required for us to choose the joy. Count it all joy. Colossians 3, two says, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Every time we've read one of these verses, guys, have you noticed the heavenly mindset that it's, it's for what is to come? It's not for the things that are here on earth. Set your minds on things above, not on the things of earth. I think Colossians three two. that's what we just read needs to be the very next verse that you think of after James. Whenever you hear James's uh, verse there in chapter one where he says, consider it all joy when you face trials. I think the next place we need to go is set your mind on things that are above and not on things of earth. Because we have trial, right? I know that sometimes we think and act like, well, we shouldn't. Like, that's so unfair. This earth, this life, it is trial. Ever since the fall of man in the garden, there have been thorns and disease and lost jobs, and tragedies, and death. And when you take an honest look at it, you can think, wow, that's really depressing. But don't forget the stabs of joy along the way. I think those are just such a sweet and gracious gift that the Lord gives us as we've just kind of prodded along with a reminder from Colossians 3.2 to set your mind on things that are above. Don't worry about this fleeting and super short time that we have here on Earth. It's a blip on the radar, really. But make the most of it, but make the most of it with a heavenly mindset. Folks have been all over the map, I think, in this last season of life. And there have been a lot of trials. There have been a lot of frustrations. There have been lives just totally changed. Routines totally changed. We've just had everything completely upended. And I will be the first to say that I think I have gotten allowed myself at times to get about neck deep in the trial part or in the looking at all the earth stuff. Around me that is really just detracting from my joy. And when I say detracting from my joy, I'm not meaning from isn't there a book that says something if it doesn't give you joy, then throw it out. I've never read that book, so I don't know. But I'm not meaning in that way. But because if you're looking at it from that perspective, you're looking at the earthly things to give you joy and they're not going to do that. They just can't do that. Every one of these verses we've read today, and I know I've read quite a few, always are directing us to think of the things of the Lord, whether it is that within his presence that we're finding joy and that we are complete by hearing his voice. We know that by spending time in his word that we are going to hear from him and we get to really be near the Lord in that. But then even in the trial itself, you know, I've referenced it before, probably on the podcast when we talk about the picture in the Old Testament of Shadrach, Meshach, in Abednego, when they're in the fiery furnace, they are in the trial. I'm willing to bet that that fire did not feel, at least those moments, that fear leading up to being thrown into that place, probably wasn't exuding a whole bunch of happiness. But when Jesus showed up in that fire and was near them, I bet that was a great picture of joy because you're with the Lord, you're in the presence of the Lord, and there was peace, right? It's easy for us to get bogged down by the trial, by the things that are feeling like they're never going to end. Will our kids ever go back to school normal? Will we ever not wear a mask again? I mean, they feel overwhelming because it's just day in and day out. But it's just earthly things, guys. It's just earthly things. I'm speaking this to myself as well. We need to take Colossians 3 two. set our minds on things that are above, not on the things that are of earth. Did you hear that part in the middle of Colossians 3 two when it said for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God? I wonder how good of a job I'm doing just really dying to the life that I have here. Because that's where I think I we can get it mixed up a bit. It's harder to put your mind on things that are above when you haven't really died to your sin and the things that are messing you up right now. You need to die to those sin. Hide in Christ. It says your life is hidden with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, it's reminding us he is our life. It's not all this other stuff. It's not all the routine. It's not the things that are not going our way. He is our life. That's where we need to look for our joy. Since I quoted C.S. Lewis so much today, I feel like I want to end with this last excerpt. And it's from the Chronicles of Narnia. It's one of my faves. If you've not read it, I don't care if you're 60 years old, you need to read it. If you have younger kids, you should read it to your kids. I actually read this to my brother is seven years younger than I am. And I read this series to him. And I remember I was about headed off to college, actually, and we hadn't finished. And so I actually when I had moved or I don't remember if I was in college or if it was during the summer or whatever, but I actually recorded on a tape recorder, guys. That's how old I am. But I recorded on a tape recorder the last book, which is called The Last Battle, so that we could complete the series together. So great, great series. Again, written by C.S. Lewis. But it's at the very end of the series, seven book series, that they're entering in Aslan's country. And Aslan, he is the lion. He's the one that's sort of the Christ figure throughout the story that you've been reading. And they're talking about entering into Aslan's country and and it's where they finally get to meet him. Face to face. And this is what it says at the end of the book. And he spoke. And he no longer looked to them like a lion. But the things that began to happen after that were so great and so beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now, at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. That is the heaven we get to look forward to. And that's just an author's allegorical depiction. I think that sounds pretty amazing to think that literally the next day and the next chapter and the next event is all going to be better than the one you just had. It just continues to get better and better and better. But that's just a story. That's just an allegorical depiction. It's just a shadow. We can't even put into words what awaits us. But perhaps that little quote, some of the, these moments that we will experience will, will have these little stabs of joy along the way. I love to think of that as a little stab of joy. It makes me think of that day that I get to see my dad. I think I'll, I'll want to sit down with my dad and us, Lewis. I think that sounds like a great idea. There is so much before us. And so I want to encourage you guys to keep that heavenly mindset, to think about joy as the absolute reality of what we get to have in heaven. And and here we get these sweet little stabs now and then of what that joy is. But I hope that you won't get bogged down with all of the things that are going around, but instead count it all joy because there will be trial. Well, This is the end of season two, guys. This podcast, wow, it's hard for me to believe. It's actually been just over a year since we started the Devoted Podcast. And this has been such a blessing, continues to be a blessing. You guys have been so great, so encouraging. I love to run into you guys or, you know, hear from you. Sometimes I get emails or DMs on Instagram listening to you guys just like talk about, hey, I was just driving. And, you know, I feel like we've spent the whole day together. I feel like we've just got to have these little weekly chats. And I just love it. And I'm so thankful. So you guys make that possible for us to have these conversations. And I hope that it isn't just 40 minutes or however long I sometimes drone on that is just a friendly chat. I want it to be that. But I hope that you guys are really digging in to the word that I hope you do go up and look these scriptures up. And I hope even something like a silly podcast just makes you love Jesus more, love his word more and live differently, live with hope, live with joy. I also want to add that if you have something that you'd like me to dive into here on the Devoted Podcast, or maybe you have someone that you want me to have a conversation with, you know, I couldn't guarantee on guest stuff, but hey, shoot me an email and we can talk about that. Or if it's just like a particular issue or whatever, I would love to hear from you guys. You can email me at devotedpodcast at athecreek.com. And I mean, every day, every episode, I just always ask the Lord to direct my steps. And I would love to pray about the things that you guys might suggest for next season. So also, if you have not hit the subscribe button on this podcast, make sure you do that because then you're going to know when we're back. First of all, you'll also know if I drop a bonus episode between now and season three. I'm not promising that, but it could happen, guys, because sometimes I just, the Lord just put something on my heart and here I am. So subscribe so you'll see when that happens. And with that, I'm praying you may experience real joy and that you will be heavenly minded and choose the joy that only He offers. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of AP Creek Christian Fellowship in West Linn, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at